beneath our feet, a great trunk grew. A tree of crimson and bone that grew down miles, visible despite the layers of architecture beneath. Every inch of growth fueled by the centuries of us. Our blessings and our bonds, our lust and our loving and our hoping and our playing and our learning and our striving. The blossoms, many amongst its leaves, will lit bright with them. Welcome to the East Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Thryn Henderson. Hello, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. And Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at, at DDixon. And as always, you can find the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. You can go to our website at flimsyrituals.com. You can find us and support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash these flimsy rituals. And yeah, you can join our Discord as well. The links to that are on the website and on the Twitter. Like, come and just chat about our show or just the world of Rhine generally. Today, we are continuing our game of Blades in the Dark by John Harper. And as always, all the music is from Satin by Kai Engel. Today we just got Ryan and Rin because we we wanted to focus on the Ezra and Ivar part of what's going on th- this entire situation um, to see where what's happening in their story. Uh, are we all ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Hit me. Just don't hit me. But don't, yeah, not too hard. Just hit the machines. Yes. That's probably fine. I haven't figured out whether it feels like dying when the machines break, but I'm going to not oh, think no. about it. <laughs> uh, like, I assume your spirit is going back somewhere and not just being completely destroyed, but... I don't know. That sounds really nice. I guess it depends what is hurting you. Like, if it's a pale lantern, like, it probably is... That gone. gone. Gonesies. But if it's like, the machine is gone, we can't do anything more of this. Like, it's probably a retraction. Maybe. Let's say yes. Okay. The last time we saw you, you were at the barricades around Lovin Street. I think last episode we we saw a few, like, different bits for you. We, we saw you, like, fighting back against the forces of the Nimshiv soldiers and the Swifts and the Pale Lanterns. Uh, using your machines to kind of like hem them in and press them back and keep them where you wanted them to be. And then towards the end of that session, we saw you try and close the trap on them. Like we we learned that you'd kind of been like leading them in and giving up space and then you're going to close the barricades behind them. And then we rolled to see how that went. Um, Ivar rolled three dice um, and got a two, a three and a two. And, yeah, things didn't go too well. So I think what happened is, as we're looking down on this square where all of the forces of the Nimshifts gathered, I imagined there's tall buildings either side, and I think we described that they were kind of in this kind of courtyard where the Likelihood lads and the Vials and other people have, like, their buildings, and there's tall buildings all around. 
and revolutionaries like in all of those buildings probably like cheering down and jeering and throwing rocks and all of that stuff there's just this moment where the entire demeanor of the nimshift forces changes and just in that moment a bunch of like the pale lanterns make themselves known from within the within the crowd and as a reminder the pale lanterns are wearing these kind of like very ornate red robes uh with like big hoods drawn up over their faces um they're like heavily embroidered and like have lots of different fabrics kind of sewn into them and they're like very thick and heavy and like draped to the floor and each of them is carrying one of these lanterns and they just kind of appear out of nowhere and all of a sudden like the flickering bismuth light just is shining out in multiple directions i think you two feel it because you are in one of your machines just kind of pushing the swifts back while people are kind of finishing erecting a barricade and one of these beams just like lands on that machine and you just you feel it sear against you as you're pushed out of that space and your shared consciousness that is spread between like these several machines is just a little bit lessened now and i'm gonna tick that clock we had again um which is the number of like these machines you have left um and that is now two out of four so once that fills that's the end of this like little experiment this is fine yeah totally fine this is going okay <laughs> so the situation is all of these like soldiers are in this big courtyard and you know there's a line of people line of them going back and using the renewed assault of the pale lanterns they're like pushing towards one of the barricades to kind of push through and they're I think in particular, like a lot of these lanterns are pointed at like the various buildings where a lot of the revolutionaries and a lot of the ghosts are. And it's kind of like forcing people to like retreat away from them and like lessen the pressure that is on this main body. And I think that there are definitely moments where you see a revolution get caught or a ghost get caught and it's not good. I think we described that these lanterns make this like nice clicking noise like a like a film projector so it's like a lot of like and like they fire a beam out that has like tiny shards of bismuth floating in it like when you see dust floating in light whenever they catch someone in particular when they catch a ghost it sears away spirit and while the pale lanterns are creating this moment of chaos here i think from your other machines the thing you notice is that the soldiers are pushing out at the back like where you're trying to close off the barricades and they're trying to get out that end and using like the chaos to break free of your trap what are you doing the bismuth of the cut is kind of lilium steel right yeah yeah it's sort of like kadroya and lilium and lilium is definitely like the last representative of that if that makes sense mm-hmm and I'm sort of accidentally full of Lilium spirit shrapnel. You are? On account of being being shot in the cut very badly. Yeah. Could I make an argument for not perhaps being as affected by this lantern as the pale lanterns thought I might be? Yeah. That, that sounds good. I mean, that sounds like a resistance role, right? Yes. I might like to resist the consequence of that last role that we made. Yeah, I guess there are two consequences here, right? There's one which is, like, the machine gets taken out. Yeah. And then there's the other, which is just generally them trying to, like, them slowly breaking free or, like, causing chaos here. Yeah. Which one are you resisting here? I guess the the reasonable one to resist, logically, is the machine being taken out. 
Mm. And then we can maybe use that machine to do something about the other situation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So to make a resistance roll, we just need to decide which resistance we're rolling with. Resolve, I think. Yeah. Because a tune makes sense to me, but to some extent also consort, because like I don't know how much I can protect Ivar, whose spirit is just normal, good, healthy spirit. But I don't know if I could maybe just sort of... The, the spirit body-sharing equivalent of sort of slapping him around the face and be like, nope, focus, come on, we're, we're fine. This is fine. I, I was imagining it as like the spirit equivalent of like doing a big hug. <laughs> like, I'm just going to wrap you up. Gently wrapping around Ifa. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anything else that you have that might help with this as well, just in case. Um, when you protect a teammate, add plus one D to your resistance roll. Yes. But that this is your new bodyguard move. Yes. I forgot about that. I mean, I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So you get four dice, I think, and then you just take the highest from six, and that's how much stress you take. A five, a five, a four, and a six. That, that That's a nice roll. I am so determined to keep Ivar safe. <laughs> yeah, like, what does this moment look like? I guess I have, like, two possible, like, ideas in my head of, like, whether you see the spirit, like, protecting it, or whether it's just, like, a... You, you, we see the machine kind of slouch a bit and it looks like it's gone and then all of a sudden it's fine. I think it's more like, you know, the situation Ezra has with their physical body at the mirror where mm. if you're not really concentrating on them, it's hard to tell where all the limbs are, a bit like the Lilium. Yeah. I think maybe the machine does that, like the lantern hits it and it glitches and mm -hmm. then sort of shakes itself off and it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Not today. Yeah, and we tick back that clock and the machine is still around. I think there was like one lantern on you, like this one pair of lantern had kind of come out of the crowd and this clicking device was, was fired at you. And I think a second one steps forward, like, and another light falls across you. But you can you can feel it and, and you're, you're holding it off. And I'm I guess, like, Ivar can can feel Ezra holding these two lanterns off. Is this, like, a thing you can do indefinitely, Ezra? Or is it like a, I am keeping them at bay, Ivar do something? I don't know. I guess let's keep rolling and find yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've resisted this consequence. So it's like, what, what, what are you doing now that the machine is safe? Yeah, what are we, what are we doing, Ivar? Pale lanterns is uh, sort of your area of expertise. I don't know, is it? <laughs> the one the one people destined to kill us all mm. I mean sounds like my expertise but not sure how to deal with them other than shoot them oh, if only we'd put guns in the machines <laughs> I mean sounds like a flashback what if we put bombs in the machines ooh I love that what if we love yeah, explosives but like spirit explosives well yeah when so, the spirit so leaves the machine it just blows up yes if the binding breaks rather than being unbound, it just explodes. That seems like a really bad idea in that there's like a lot of people we probably don't want to explode around us. Um, but maybe there's one we can trigger purposefully. Yeah, like a last ditch attempt. Yeah. Cool. Where, where was the Pale Lantern again? Um, so if you imagine like you're in just like a big courtyard mm -hmm. with like buildings all around you, like it's specifically this building on the map. Mm -hmm. um and there's just a big i think what you've done is like as 
people had filtered in this courtyard, like there are barricades in front of them, stopping them getting out. And you'd had left a couple of machines in that space to just kind of shepherd them and like sheepdog them almost of like, okay, don't approach the barricades. We're going to keep you penned in here. So it's just a big load of soldiers and there's a bunch of pale lanterns just stood in the middle of them, like firing out while the soldiers protect them. And they expected to just take this machine down like that was advancing on them. And it's not. So, like, it, it could be that you do some explosives and, and, like, hurt them. It could just be that the machine continues doing what it's doing and just, like, launches itself at them. I do love the idea of just launching ourselves at them. Do pale lanterns have spirits? Or is that considered a job hazard? No, I think they do. Like, they're just people. Um, I don't think... Because we've seen the conclave in in Tiding, who were, like... Mm-hmm. The, the wizard hunters but i don't think that is the situation here i think generally they're just people who are trained for this job because i can have as part of my equipment a lantern <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i would like to argue that amongst the maybes at least once we've maybe managed to nick one from the pale lanterns a pale lantern lantern a pale lantern lantern mm. and i would love to have Put it on a machine. <laughs> I would love to have strapped it to this machine in particular. Yep. I mean, this sounds like a flashback. Yes, this is a flashback for sure. So that's going to be some stress. One stress for a complex action or unlikely opportunity. Two for an elaborate action that involved special opportunities or contingencies. I think it might be two, just because it would have been securing this from the Pale Lanterns. I can see it being two. I'll take two stress for this. So I think maybe it was just kind of in the Jubilee for a long time with Ezra just kind of tinkering with it and seeing if there was anything they could do to like counteract the Pale Lanterns lanterns and maybe that wasn't the eventual outcome and they just sort of left it. But when the Jubilee got dissembled to make the barricades and these machines, they're like, oh, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Just whack it on there, and maybe we could figure out how it works as we go. Okay. So so how is this working? Is it is the lantern just firing back? Yes. I would like you to picture sort of a disco ball. Okay. Is this like a modified version? Yes. <laughs> we just took all the shutters off. There's no direction, only light. Cool. Is, is there like a signal for this for like anyone that's nearby? I mean, Ivar's watching this happen from afar, right? Yeah. Original Ivar. Maybe he could signal something. Yeah, or it could be, like, triggered by Topaz. Like, there's a special pin that needs to be pulled on them or something like that. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I'm picturing this horrible, splintered, broken mirror-style machine just launching full-in to the middle of the soldiers where the pale lanterns are, and then Topaz just descending to pull the pin on the lantern. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, like, this sounds like a a teamwork action, right? What, what would you like to roll? Is, is this a wreck? This feels like a wreck, doesn't it? Yeah. Although I imagine if Ivar is commanding Topaz, like, I'm happy for that to be a command for you as well. Which would you prefer, Ivar? Command is slightly better for me. But, uh, I mean, it would only be one dice. I've got two in wreck, so... Then lead the way, my friend. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and then you you just need to roll your wreck as well, Ivar. 
Let me just check the um, character sheet for the maybe. I feel like we have something about wreck. When you acquire or craft incendiaries or explosives, you get plus one result level to your roll. Oh, okay. So I think this is going to be, what, like a risky grape? Yes. Um, and yeah, you can push and stuff if anyone wants any bonus dice to the roll. Um, you can do devil's bargains as well. I'm already over halfway through my stress bar again. <laughs> so do, do you want a devil's bargain? I'd love a devil's bargain. Um, I'm just looking at the list. Collateral damage or intended harm is on there. Um, I don't know if I'm particularly interested in that. Okay, here's the thing I'm interested in. Where's Ezra's body? You know, that's a really good question, and I was actually going to ask you that later in this session. I don't know. Are they in Tails End, do we imagine? I don't know. They were in Tails End. I don't know. Did, did anyone move me? Did anyone stay with the body? Like, I don't know. Are they just on the floor? Did they get put in a shed? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you a devil's bargain here, which is Ezra's body is in Tails End. Mm-hmm. It is being guarded by Nilcat. Mm-hmm. And the two ministers, uh, Siliset, Nim Kalad, and Vasic Pale, have just turned up. Ooh! Yeah, let's take that, shall we? Okay, plus one dice. For plus one dice. Okie dokie. A five. Ryan needs to roll as well. So I think it's two dice and pick the lowest for you at the minute. Oh, bless you. Oh, no. Lowest. Three, I'm afraid. There was a six, but we're <laughs> taking the three. Okay, so you take a stress, uh, Frin, because of the, the miss, and then the highest dice is a five. So that is, you do it, but with a consequence. What does this look like? It just launches itself into the middle, and we have, like, topaz descend? Yes, that's how I'm picturing it. Mm. This thing, like, fires out, and we... Does it sound the same as the Bismuth Lanterns? More clicking, maybe. Yeah. Clicking intense. <laughs> and I think you both get caught in it, like the bits of you that are in this machine, and like I think that's the end of this this one. But you see like this flash go outwards and catch a bunch of these soldiers and a bunch of the Pale Lanterns, and it just like causes chaos and destruction in the midst of them. And I think it kind of continues like staggering and moving for a while as like the last of you is like seared out of the machine and you just have this moment where there's just panic and chaos in in like the midst of these soldiers as they try to get away and i think the consequence to all of this is at the other end of the other end of like this row of, of like this march they're starting to get out they're starting to like get through the barricades. I think a bunch of soldiers have managed to, like, climb to the top of the barricades and are, like, attacking and shooting the revolutionaries who are trying to, like, pen them in. And they've, like, burst free. What are you doing? What What is happening there? Are there ways that you're trying to get them back? Uh, yeah, yeah, it feels very important <laughs> to, not, <laughs> to not let them get out. Um... I'm sort of hoping that at some point the uh, Atrium Brigade that we dropped Lena off to pick up yeah. will arrive. Hold, holding out for that. I mean, that seems like a good flashback. There's the Atrium Brigade. There's also all of the people um, who were on the march who haven't got back yet. 
they were all marching back with Oaken, uh, but Oaken left them behind, so I imagine they're coming back. The big difficulty for them is, like, there's a bunch of soldiers at the stadium. It's the same situation of, like, they have formed this kind of defensive line that will stop the mass of them getting through, unless you thought of a way around that. Just release all the frogs. Slow <laughs> the Lissidae out. Yeah. Who have you sent to do that? I mean, I want to say the Likelihood lads, because they know the stadium best. Mm. I know Branch and Fleece are with us, but there are there are loads of Likelihood lads, right, unfortunately? Yeah. I like that. It's maybe the ones who are closest to the Lissidae handlers themselves, like the ones who maybe are involved in making sure the races go the way they want them to. Yeah. Um, do you want to make that as a, like, command role, or, like, is one of your machines in there? <laughs> just made a machine for them to chase, like a like a rabbit in a greyhound. <laughs> yeah? Yes. 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 Let's do that. Yes. Like like a giant fly. Yeah, or whatever. Newt. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we get this shot in, like, the bowels of this sort of Colosseum-style building um, of this one machine just, like, hurtling forwards, uh... Like, legs skittering against the walls and just this, like, ruckus of animals following it, trying to catch it. Um, yeah. Would you like to make a roll for this? Who would like to make a roll? Maybe this is a quick Ivar reactions kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, if you set this up, if you planned this, and are kind of overseeing it from above to, like, herd the Lissidae in the right direction. What are we thinking here, roll-wise? Uh, it's up to you, but hmm. it might just be like something like a prowl or something. Hunt also I makes sense. Mm. Yeah, like it's like a reverse hunt, isn't it? It's kind of a hunt in the, I guess, Ivar, 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 the real Ivar. <laughs> How many times do you want to say Ivar? <laughs> it's very far away. Kind of precisely trying to move this machine to get the things to go where he wants them to, right? Hmm. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. I could do a hunt. Yeah, and I'd like it being like, the knowledge of hunting stuff is useful when you're being hunted, right? Like, you know how these animals will behave and react, and you know when to slow down or, like, when to speed up. Trying to, like, work out the situation here. I think it is desperate. Like, it, it's desperate standard. I don't think, like, is is necessarily, like, lots of threat and harm here, but, like, I think the reason it's desperate is, like, you're trying to get the rest of the revolutionaries through, and that has a lot of possibility of going wrong okay that's a four. <laughs> oh no mm. okay um what what do we think happens when the machine like gets to i imagine where the the nim shifts are set up which is you know on the track like the machine bursts into that bit what happens there Lissidae catch up with it and eat it <laughs> yeah but i think it's enough like on a four like it's you do it but as a consequence you suffer severe harm a serious complication because you have reduced effect I think it's absolutely enough to distract them for a while. And I think like some of the troops, some of these animals, the Lissidae and the other animals that are with there, definitely manage to like break free even of the stadium. And like the, it causes enough chaos for a small amount of the revolutionaries to slip through. I think we maybe see like a small group get through one of the walls. Um, who was with that? Was it Lena was there? Lena's with the atrium lot. Yeah. Yeah. Lena and, like, maybe a few people from, like, the march managed 
to like I, I just like suddenly running free through the streets and meet the back where the people are like breaking out of the of the barricades. And I think the reason it's a desperate position is they just run straight into like this resurgent wave of new Nimshif soldiers. Hmm. But yeah, like there's a band of like thirty of the revolutionaries running on the corner, and then there's like this column of Nimshif soldiers now trying to break free from like the the light bomb you set off, like just surging over the barricades towards them. And yeah, they're they're outnumbered. At the minute, you're holding them back through that big courtyard that they need to pass through where the explosion went off and where like people are stood in windows, like raining down projectiles and firing, you know, spirit rifles at people or whatever they can get their hands on. And I think there's like an ongoing battle as like Nimshif soldiers take up positions behind old barricades and fire back and fight back and try and clear their way through. I think we get a snapshot of like one of your machines. It's like a big Maybe, like, it's something designed for, like, rolling up bits of barricade and quickly putting them together. Do, do either of you have an idea of what it might look like? Uh, this could be a crab. It could be a crab, yeah. Well, this this could be an eel situation. <laughs> big, big, long slither. Ooh. Just, like, pushing against the pavement? Well, yeah, with, like, armatures kind of out from the sides of it that... Mm huck and scoop and push things for some reason i'm imagining imagine you took an eel and mixed it with like a hammerhead shark yeah love that just a big digger head but yeah i imagine at the minute like it was working with some revolutionaries to like put up the barricades and this group of nimshif soldiers swarm in and there's just this running fight as it tries as you both try to protect these revolutionaries from from the shots that are coming your way and I think we get another flash from another piece of the battlefield where the Nimshif forces are like in retreat here down one of like these narrow side streets, and we see this like seahorse creature running quickly through the streets. Its legs sort of like skittering on either side of the wall. And maybe we see one of the revolutionaries, no one that we've seen before, but defiant and fighting and like happy in this moment, like leap onto its back and lead like a group charging down one of these alleys in pursuit. The other thing that I've got in my head is, do you know how like a lot of technology in Embrace is these like wind machines or like strand beast stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sort of imagining like what if you made a machine out of all of these mm-hmm. and you end up with like this big blobfish creature? This, like, cacophony of, like, bellows and strand beast sails. Kind of like a mud skipper, maybe, mm, situation. Yeah. Just wheezing its way. <laughs> wheezing its way. I'm imagining just, like, wheezing its way down, like, a wall into, like, the stadium uh, where, like, the Nimshif guards have to react very quickly as it, like, charges its way towards uh, valor and vigor. And, yeah... Do either of you have any ideas for any other machines that we see before you, like, break away from this moment? Ryan, you did seem keen on a crab. That's all right. If it doesn't make sense, we don't have to wedge a crab in. If you want there to be a crab, there's a crab, my friend. All right. I love the idea of, like, a crab just bursting free from, like, the coast somewhere onto, like, an unsuspecting group. <laughs> we buried it in the sand. Yeah. For when they stepped over it. Like, yeah, it goes off like a landmine, but just comes out claws first, <laughs> just knocking people over and generally being a nuisance. 
And yeah, I, I imagine these are like the last few of these machines that the pair of you are conscious of. I think a lot of them have fallen. A lot of your like tricks and plans have happened. And you've kind of got to this point where the fight between the revolutionaries and the nimshifts, it's just that. It's a fight. You're waiting to see who's going to outlast this. The time for ploys is sort of over. Except, Ivar, as you're stood watching, you cast your eyes back for a moment towards Tail's End, which up until now seems to have been shielded from most of the fighting. Wait, I'm describing this as if you're watching it. Are you watching it from afar, or do you just have an eyeball in Tail's End? Probably watching it from afar. Okay, like cool. I think from that position that I'm in, I can easily sort of turn around and look that way sort of thing with the rifle. Yeah. I think as you look back towards Tail's End, you're drawn towards Trilvo's house that we saw of, like, the balcony, like, one of the larger buildings, which... It's where you know, like, a lot of the organization is going on. Like, Trilvo is there, I think Nilcat is probably there, and some of the other, like, tacticians and leaders. And you know that's where Ezra's body is at the minute, as they're, like, unconscious, as they're, like, helping you control these machines. And you see two figures, who even from here, you recognize as the ministers, Silasat Nimkalad and Vasic Pale, climb up onto the balcony and enter into Trilvo's house, into the room where Ezra is currently, like, laid down and helpless. What do you do? Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, Not a fan of that. I, no, no one is. I like <laughs> this. I mean, I'm quite far away. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is time for you to get over if you wanted to. Could, um, could you cut, cut through? Take a cut, shortcut? A shortcut. The flashbacks you could do... I, I guess the question is, like, a part of this for me is, like, do you try and get back there? Or is the fight more important? Mm. It's tough, though, because without Ezra, then all the machines are going to stop working anyway. Mm. So I don't think this is much of a choice. I have to try and get back. Or at least, is there a machine nearby? Like, that's the... I mean, you could flash back to that if you wanted. The other option mm. I just thought of, um, does Ivar weigh anything? Like, the ghosts weigh anything? Because can Topaz just fly you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. Um. You know, we, we said um, Ezra made Ivar's arm braces. And they're mm. like physical and spirit, which means that Ivar can wear armor. Does that mean Topaz can can grab them? Maybe, yeah. Just pick him up by the arms. God. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's try it. See how it goes. I'll get Topaz to lift me up and take me <laughs> down to Tail's End. I'll like do a whistle, and she'll come tearing around to. Sort of maybe that we practiced it, sort of thing. Mm. This is like your party trick. Yeah, this is how I turn up at people's parties unannounced, uninvited. <laughs> Don't worry, um, I'm, I'm not late. I um, mean, yeah, yeah. You do like your ghost form move says like you may move about the strange geometry of the cut, moving swiftly without tiring. And I imagine 
this is like that. This is just a different way of showing that. So I'm happy with you moving quickly over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think what I'd like is some kind of role. Um, it's up to you what you use, whether you want to use, like, your cohort or, you know, like, hunt or a tune or something. Yeah, I think I could see this as being an, an attune. Yeah. And let's call this, like, risky standard. I don't think a lot of this will have direct consequence, but I want to know how quickly you can get there and what situation you end up in, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. It's all good. We got a six. Lord bless you, Ryan. Yeah, so what does it look like as uh, as you fly across the city? Like, how do you call Topaz to pick you up? Like, does this look cool, or is it just, like, you desperately clinging on? It's, it no, it's really, like, it's the opposite of cool. It's, like, really undignified, and Ivar hates doing it. <laughs> like, because it's just, it doesn't feel natural. Like, it doesn't feel natural that Topaz should be able to lift him up, if that makes sense. Yeah. So... Uh, Every time it happens, yeah, I think it is uh, like we talked about being grabbed by the collar, uh, <laughs> not by the collar, but the like, scruff? yeah, like literally grabbed by the scruff of of his jacket, sort of thing, and he's like lifted up into the air, and he's just dangling all all his leg, <laughs> his legs, and his arms just down by his sides. You're not doing like cool shots as you come in or anything. N- no, maybe I like have. <laughs> I I think I would like holster the rifle and this would be a, a pistol's job mm. um to get ready for that kind of situation that we're going into but yeah not not cool at all yeah imagine even just going to be like dropped in on the balcony maybe we'll do like a little little superhero landing i don't know we'll see <laughs> we'll see how we get on at the end and they just phase through the floor yeah I love this idea of, like, you landing and having to remember to make yourself solid enough to land and just, like, a couple of inches of you going through the floor. Does Topaz land as well? Like, Yeah. Drop me off and then do a loop around and then land on the edge of the balcony sort of thing. Yeah. Sort of, like, snarling next to you. Yeah. Okay. So I sort of imagine this balcony, like, stretches the length of the house. Um, I've definitely got... Like Alice Orangen's balcony in Deadwood in my head here. It's like big, long wooden balcony with like lots of space to move around and lots of space for like Trilvo to go out and like watch over the, the square. Um, I think there are two doors. Uh, one is at the end, which you know leads to like Trilvo's sort of, like office and private quarters. But the one you saw these two ministers go in is like one that goes to like a big room that takes up like two thirds of the width of this building, which is where Ezra is. And I think it's sort of just like a one of like the medical treatment rooms that Trilvo has. So like a big open space uh, with some beds and benches and stuff like that. I think the door is like half closed and it's just kind of like rattling in its hinge in like the wind. There's like a thin pane of glass in it with a curtain, like a lacy curtain drawn over it. And you can just hear it as it kind of like rattles against the window. And you can hear raised voices coming from inside. How, how are you approaching this? I think to start with, it's going to be like just quietly listening to what they're saying, maybe trying to, again, like float an eyeball around the corner of a mm. door or something just to see what's happening. Yeah. Um, do you want to make a, a roll for this as well to see what you can work out? Um, yeah. I, I think this is going to be like controlled, controlled great, honestly. Survey? Yeah. Like, I think the eyeball just gives you that kind of ability. Okay. 
It's one dice, but what can go wrong? Uh, it's a four. Okay. Uh, which is like you hesitate, withdraw and try a different approach, or do it with a minor consequence. So, minor complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you suffer lesser harm, or you end up in a risky position. So, yeah, I, I think you have a choice here. Um, I am happy to give you, like, decent picture of what's going on in this room, but I think doing so, because, like, one of the ministers is Vasic Pale, who is a ghost herself, I think they'll pick up what the, the fact that you're here if you, like, if you float your eyeballs in. I mean, I'm only trying to get an idea of what's going on, so... Yeah. You know... So what if they find out I'm here? I'm going to burst in eventually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you float uh, your eyeball into the room. Um, like I said, it's like a big room. I think there's like a large table in the middle, some chairs on one side, and then like some beds and like cabinets on the other end where like the kind of operating and like medical bit is. I imagine this is like the room where they do just like a lot of like rest and recovery and minor injuries and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I think the situation you see is Ezra is laid down in the bed where they got left. There may be like two beds against that wall and Ezra is laid in one of them. And stood with them are two members of your cohort. I mean, there's Oxbow Lake who's kind of crouched over Ezra, almost like hiding Ezra from these two ministers and, and like standing between them. And then there is Foible, who I think is the one who has been making most of the noise. I think Foible is sort of advancing towards the two ministers and they look immediately like they're just full of rage. They're shouting at them and they're saying, it was you. And they, they're just advancing. I think as, as they go, like they roll a bit of spirit from their body Foible was the one that could, like, make apples and stuff in the cut. And you see that, like, what they create is, like, a dagger. And they're just incandescent with rage. The two ministers are stood sort of, like, a few feet from the door. I think Vasic is kind of stood a little bit nonplussed. Gun out and is saying, like, Stand aside, I don't know what your problem is, but you have no issue with us. We just want Ezra. And Foible is just like, I have a problem with you. Both of you. And, yeah, rushes towards them. Fuck them up, Foible. Yeah, do, do we want a quick reminder of, like, who these people are as well? Um, so Foible and Oxbow Lake are two members of your crew. Oxbow is the one that got shot in the voting score and took, like, a crossbow bolt to the arm and we haven't seen a lot of since, but we've seen a little bit. And Foible is... Their sort of partner, right? Never explained. Never explained. Um, Pla platonic life partners of pl some kind. Yes. Um, and Foible is the person that was killed on the barricades and was rediscovered as a ghost in the cup. And then the two ministers are Silaset Nimclad, who you who you discovered was working with Lilium, who's wearing like a wide-brimmed hat, is wearing like monochrome, black and white feathers, is towering and like, she has a pipe and I, I, I forgot this detail that she's always smoking a pipe. So she's like smoking a pipe and like lazily holding a gun. She's the one uh, Ivar punted that piano at through a wall, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And then there's Vasic Pale, who is like Silicet's second. Um, and she, I don't think we've ever described her actually, but she's a ghost. Um, she's sort of like indistinct, like 
And I've got like my note is like she's like an oil painting, like the colors constantly swirling. She's got like that texture of like I'm trying to remember the style of painting, but like where where you purposely like make the paint like have texture to it. Um, and all the time she's got like this scarlet color spreading from her heart. And yeah, I think she's wearing like a bit of a suit, but that's all like rendered in in oils. I'm glad they're both so like fabulously stylish, but please fuck them up before I die. I have an idea, and I don't know mm. whether it's like too low key for this situation, whether I need to go in guns blazing or not, or whether being distracting is better. It's up to you. What what what's your idea? Mm. I want to do like that classic Western shot of uh, you know, like when the sheriff walks into the saloon, that like. You have no authority here. <laughs> sort of, this is my town. Yeah. Fuck off, sort of thing. But whilst I think that would be a nice idea, I also feel like shooting first and asking questions later could also be a fair approach here. It's entirely up to you. Hmm. I'd help you out, Ivar, but... Uh... <laughs> Womp womp. But that is also a question because, like, your consciousnesses are kind of joined. Do, are you telling Ezra what's going on? Are you able to pass that information? Like, Ezra, wake up. I don't know, but can, uh, am I able to say wake up? Like, um, do I absolutely destroy myself to do something really cool? <laughs> yes. Yes. I yes. think is the answer always. I'm going to use my new move. Mm hmm which is called Damned Good. When I push myself, I can choose one of the following benefits. Uh, either my senses are almost supernaturally keen, or I can ricochet a bullet to attempt an otherwise impossible <laughs> shot. Which, I'm going to do that. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get a two for one. Like hit both of them? Yeah. <laughs> okay, what... I think we need to like describe what this this shot is doing, right? Or do we want to roll first and? Uh, yeah, let's roll first, and then I'll describe it, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how the roll goes. Yeah. I believe in you, Ivar. Oh my god, does pushing yourself take you past your stress limit as well? Uh, yeah, it does. Mm. I'm going for gold here. I assume this is uh, risky. Um, you've got fine pair of pistols, right? Yeah. So it's definitely risky. I'm just trying to work out the effect level. Um, I think it makes it risky standard because I think the ministers themselves have like that extra tier, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you'd normally be doing risky limited, but your fine pistols make it risky standard. You could change your push yourself from being an extra dice to being increasing the effect if you wanted. You could also theoretically have help from Ezra. I think this is fine. I'm going to take the extra dice because I'd rather it happened. Yeah. Than... Have consequence. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot of fives. <laughs> three fives and a three. Yeah. Um, so you do it, but there's consequence. So, yeah, describe your shot. Okay. Describe the room again. It was like a dormitory kind of thing. Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, I can quickly draw it if you want. Is that useful? No, I was just trying to think about okay. what things are in the room. Yeah. So, so you're, on um, a you're on a balcony. Um, there is like a thin door with like a you know single pane piece of glass between you um to the left side of the room are a couple of beds and some cabinets containing like medical stuff like think like you know 18th 19th century like alchemical jars and cool bottles and scalpels 
Um, in the middle of the room, uh, there's maybe like a bigger table, which is probably like where Silica and Foible and Vasic sort of are. And then to the right are just like some, I imagine like little sofas and like maybe a little, whatever the embrace equivalent of chess is, like maybe set up between them. Like this is like a recovery room, I imagine. Okay, are you ready for this? Yep. I've uh, boots down the door. Like, makes himself physical to boot down the door. Yeah. Because it's cool. <laughs> Steps into the room, assesses the situation, and sees that he can't get a clear shot on both of them. Throws one of his pistols to line up with two of them, and then with the other one, shoots the trigger. Yes. Yes, this is very good. Oh. It's like pistol just floating in the air and shoots downwards through them both. I think, um, yeah, that the shot sort of clips uh, Silicet and Nimclad in her shoulder and like continues through and hits Vasic. Um, like hits Vasic sort of like in his back. And like, I think that gives a moment where Vasic sort of like recoils and like. Foible manages to jump in and just like stabs Vasic, uh, sort of. I imagine like in the neck, but I don't think in the neck for the ghost is as bad as like what it would be for us. And you just see like the two spirits fall into this frenzy of limbs. Um, and then there's a there's a consequence. So I think you see Silaset scream out as as the thing catches her. I think she sort of like falls backwards and like I think Silicet like screams out as the unexpected shot catches her. She was sort of turning to you as you kicked in the door and I think her arm kind of goes limp, her left arm, and the pipe falls to the floor and clatters. And as she recoils, she kind of like twists um, and raises up the gun in her right hand and, and fires back. I think her spirit rifle is a little different to the ones we've seen before. Instead of like firing like one single line, it kind of fires out this sort of imagine like a cone of like bismuth, sort of if you were like spraying bismuth and it kind of catches you uh, like full on and it inflicts the level to harm fraying as it kind of like tears at the edges of your form and you can feel parts of yourself like struggling not to dissipate. Would you like to resist? Yes. I would love to do this. Um, so hang on, I'm full full up on... Yeah. Um, so when I go full up, I what happens? You clear all your stress and you're sort of out of the scene. You will take one of like the glooms, the ghost version of trauma, but you know we're playing fairly fast and loose yeah. um, with what those are. And then, yeah, you exit the scene. I think what this means in this situation is I'm going to give you a choice. You can either let this version of you fade and like put your consciousness into the machines, maybe not permanently, but just for now, um, and continue like fighting with the machines in like Hinterward and as they're trying starting to push towards Tail's End, or you can cut yourself off from the machines and, and stay present in this moment. Oh, big oof. Yeah. Um, there are other people in this room. 
Yeah. Don't know I'm, whether they'll I'm win gonna, this fight, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go with the machines, Ezra. So, yeah. Yeah, we just see this version of you just like dissipate. I imagine under that bismuth. Then it's maybe not that you're entirely gone. It's just that you can only hold some of you you together. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm just doing that uh, Star Wars Force Ghost disappearing thing. <laughs> uh, um, I guess we have the question of, like, to what degree is Ezra conscious of this? Like, I imagine you feel something weird happen with Ivar. Yeah, like, there's probably like a, a spike of stress, but I wouldn't know necessarily why. Hmm. Would uh, would love to know why though. It's not making me feel good. <laughs> I wonder whether it's something Ivar can communicate, or whether it's something like because something could happen in your room to get that attention if Ivar can't. Well, I was thinking that if I've been forced back into the machines, like mm. just rather than my main presence being in that ghost form that I was in before, yeah. Then surely once I'm into that place, I can be like Ezra, wake up. Yeah. Is it just that you boot Ezra out? Yeah, that's it. I've like I'm logging on. <laughs> we've only got we've only got one login to the machine. I know how to do this now. That all of me is here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. You're getting logged off my network, Chief. See ya. See ya. And there's probably just this moment where you feel like all of your consciousness just yanked backwards, Ezra, and you'd like just. Do that, like, jump, like, sitting up, waking up thing in the room. I was actually going to offer you um, another option. Go for it. Because I would love to get even a moment's jump on these ministers mm. who presumably are expecting me to at least wake up at some point. And I would maybe like to not to be screwed with to intimidate them and uh, manifest outside my body. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll deal with the implications of that later. Yeah. Just like where Ivar was, mm. like directly in Ivar's space, is, is Ezra now. So so part of my question is like, is this in the exact moment Ivar leaves or in like another moment? I think if Ivar like physically shoves me out, it makes sense to me that the space he puts me into is the one he was in, right? We're just kind of swapping. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so so how does not to be screwed with work? I can push myself to cause someone to be intimidated. They might hesitate, pick a different target, lose their cool, <laughs> etc. Okay. I would love them to lose their cool. Yeah. Trying to work out if this is a role or not. Is this a role? So in my head, like the stuff that's sort of like up in the air is what is happening with Foible and whether other people come into the room and I guess which one of these three things they do. Like how how are how are people dealing with this? Um, mm -hmm. But no, this doesn't like the move itself doesn't sound like a role. So let's do this first, and then we can work that stuff out. If this just even gives me like the couple of seconds it takes for like Trilva or Nilka or someone to be like, what is happening in here? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so yeah, who, who is your target? Are you choosing Silaset or are you choosing Vasic? Like Silaset makes sense to me, but if you wanted to speak Vasic, you can. It will probably be Vasic because Vasic's the one that shot Ivar, right? No, Silaset. Vasic's oh, the one Silicet? that is like on the floor fighting with uh, Foible and Silaset shot Ivar. Foible's an angry little weasel and I believe in them. So yeah, I guess 
I guess Silicet, who just shot shot a man and it turned into a different person, is who yeah. I'm hoping for. Okay. Um, and which one would you like? Do you want them to hesitate? Is, is that what you want? Yes. I, I mean, hesitate or lose their cool, whichever is more likely for Silicet, but probably hesitate, right? Silicet's seen some weird stuff. Yeah, I, I think they, they have this moment where... Because they were falling anyway. I think they sort of, like, fall to the floor, uh, landing on, like, their, their arm because they twisted to take the shot and, like, almost do this moment where they, like, scramble and I think it is sort of lose their cool. I, I think as they, like, pull themselves up, they have to, like, drop the gun that they fired and, like, they pull themselves up using this table and, like, draw a sword, this long stiletto-style dagger from their belt. And... I think in that moment, in that moment where they had to like reset themselves and re-scramble, you have entered the room and I think from the other end of the room you see Nilka and Trilvo storm in. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm in no condition to fight anyone. What the f- And like Nilka is already like running to jump at, at Silicet. What are you, what are you doing, Ezra? Uh... I mean, we could make some cohort rolls if Ezra is not immediately... Jumping yeah, I would make some cohort rolls. I'm not sure Ezra knows where they are or what's happening. <laughs> they just Ivar said be here and now they are. Yeah. So let's make a cohort roll for um Foible, who is fighting with uh Vasic. Um I imagine Vasic is doing this weird thing where they're almost extending their form. So as Foible tries to like stab and get involved in the fight, Vasic is just sort of the oil paint is kind of wrapping around them. And mm-hmm. I think seeing that you're here, I think Oxbow sees sees you and like runs to to try and help Foible. Foible is screaming and crying and just stabbing. Foible's doing fine, yeah. Um, so I didn't say effect before you rolled, but I imagine this is like around the the point of like a desperate roll. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so they do it, but as a consequence, uh, suffer severe harm. A serious complication occurs. You have reduced effect. Um, I think. Foible is just stabbing and stabbing and shouting and crying. Um, and you see Vasic writhing around them and you see bits of this paint-covered hands from her, like, grabbing and ripping and just tearing at the spirit of Foible. How how does Oxbow join this fight? That's a good question. Is there any possibility we gave Oxbow a gun? Or, like, a knife or something. I wonder whether Oxbow, like, grabs something from one of the cabinets. Yeah. I mean, could he could he go for the gun that Ivar threw? Yes. Yeah, like, that kind of clatters to the floor and, like, Oxbow leans to pick it up with, like, his, his one good arm and takes the shot. And you see it hit Vasic, and where it hits, you see that the oil paint effect starts to, like, flake and, like, grey. And Vasic sort of like falls backwards and Foible is just on top of her. The equivalent of like breathing heavily. Like neither of them have come out of this well. Meanwhile, I think Nilcat rushes across the room. I don't think he's got a weapon. Nilcat, oh. He just jumps right at like Silicet and Imcolad's back. Mm-hmm. Um, Perfect. What, what are you doing? Um, I would love to be involved with this fight. Don't Don't have hands currently. So you, you're a ghost. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to be a ghost. I've been a ghost for four seconds. 
but I'm going to try and punch Silica anyway, because I don't think the impossibility of that has filtered through yeah. yet. You're a binder, at least. You're... Yeah, we're, we're going to give it a go. Okay, so this sounds like um, a roll from you plus, uh, plus Nilka helping. I feel like this is maybe an attune rather than a skirmish. Yeah. It's like, can I physically punch Silicet? Uh, risky. I think this might be desperate. Yep. I mean, it might be desperate limited unless you've got a good reason. Hmm. Do I have a good reason for it to be more than that? You can push yourself. You can take a devil's bargain. I cannot push myself. I only have one stress left. I would love to hear a devil's bargain. Yeah, the devil's bargain is... Vasic is not as down as she appears to be. No, I don't I don't like that. I want Foible to have this win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a five. Yeah, Nilcat rolled a five as well. Ooh. Which is, you do it, but there's a consequence. You suffer severe harm. A serious complication occurs. You have reduced effect. So, so how does this work? Is it the punch that works, or do you do do you accidentally like do something else? It might it might have to be the punch that works. I can't think of anything else that I could do. Yeah. I think it might just be because I'm still kind of in machine mode. Mm. There's an element of having to make the spirit physical. Like I'm I've just been constantly binding in my head for the last however many hours, so maybe I'm just still kind of accidentally doing it. Ooh, yeah. I was gonna say, like, the image I had in my head was, like, it almost being, like, being punched by a river, but, like, it's not the river that hurts, but it's, like, all of the twigs inside of it and you're just gathering stuff up. But I'd love the idea of you binding this person instead. Yeah, like, the punch itself actually doesn't do anything, but I it, it snags Silicet's spirit to mine and that maybe is very painful. Mm, yeah. So the fist goes right through, but it, it still really hurts. Yeah, um, I think you, you catch Silicet in the face and she just sort of screams as you kind of, like, rake at her. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one to point this out because it feels like shooting myself in the foot, but I am still suffering from a severely splintered spirit. This might not have been the, the best choice for me. Yeah. I almost imagine, like, you're almost, like, flinging Silicet Nimclad across the room as your own spirit like jerks back into your body and you can feel Silicet Nimclad spirit still there as like you as you reach yourself trying to like claw her way in uh, no thank you get out you can resist if you want I would love to resist rooming in my own body with Silicet Nimclad <laughs> And I, I think it is just because of like what you're saying about the splintered spirit, and because you've mm-hmm. just spent all of this time in these machines with with Ivar, it's just very hard to like stop that. Right? There's like a porousness that you, you're having to like. Yeah. There's a part of me that sees that the last trauma I took was um, haunting. You're often seen outside yourself, reliving another's life or seeing things, and wonders whether mm. adding Silicet in could really make that any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try and resist, and it. It might not go as planned. That feels like a resolve. Mm. Oh, is there any possible way of getting bonus dice out of this? There is not. Are you sure? I'm sure. No one, no one can help me. I mean, if you can, like, I'm always happy if you sell me on something interesting. 
like I think the devil's bargain I will offer you is Nilcat's here might even be tangled up in this and do you choose Nilcat instead of Silicet? You can have an extra dice but a piece of Nilcat will be sort of like grafted to your spirit. Mm-hmm. That's a future problem. That's a, that's a problem to deal with in the future. Okay. Uh-huh. He'll probably be totally fine with that. <laughs> He'll probably be, be, be totally fine. Normal and cool. Oh, I didn't even need it. I had a six. Six right off the bat. Nice. Uh, so you take no stress and, yeah, you resist it. Um, oh, thank goodness. Get out of here, Silicet. You don't live here. You, you push Silicet off you and, like, she kind of, like, staggers back. And she's sort of, like, stood in a corner, like, holding this knife, sort of, like, waving it. She probably just goes into, like, a stance and is just, like, looking at all of the people in the room around her. Ivar. Which machine do we want to focus on? We've got the crab on the beach, uh, like, having jumped up a load of soldiers. There is this seahorse of a revolutionary on. There is this horrifying, like, what kind of fish did we say it was? Oh, a mud skipper made out of, like, bellows and and things charging at the, at the Nimcolad, like, command structure. Um, and yeah, then there's then there's the the eel trying to desperately put up the barricade while protecting these soldiers. Which one's more most interesting to you? Hmm. Just be the med skipper. That sounds fun. The the, the bellows. Yeah. <laughs> it's going nuts. Yeah, I, I think we're we're in this big stadium, loads of steps, loads of arches, and. I mean, the Nimshifts have taken over a part of this and have, like, this raised platform. And even, they've even, like, managed to put up, like, some some tents and, like, gazebos in here where, like, their, their central command and, like, valor is stood. In the rest of this, like, the soldiers are moving around, basically moving civilians into this space and using it to keep them under control. And then there's you in this wheezing, loud oddly shaped, oddly moving, like, fish coming down these stairs. What, what's your aim? What, what do you think it, this thing's aim is? Are you, are you trying to get to the, to the leaders? Are you trying to help get some people free? I think it's, yeah, it's going for the leaders in mm. the sense that, like, deal with that and then we can get people out, maybe. Okay, yeah. I think as you charge, um, charge onwards, a group of Nimshif soldiers sees you. Um, there are five of them. Um, they look a little bit more elite than the regular. Like they've got like slightly fancier armor and pauldrons and stuff like that. And they're they're carrying some spears. Um, that maybe have some spirit rifles sort of joined into them, so that you it's almost a bit like a bayonet but a spear. Um, and they like line up in front of you. What do you do? Rude. I'm just here to play my bellows and have a nice time. <laughs> big blast of noise at them or just crashing into them yeah big big noisy boy let's do a big <laughs> blast of like honk, honk. yeah big honk load of wind <laughs> blasting them aside that sounds perfect cool do you want to make a roll what what is do we have a honk skill <laughs> <laughs> what is honk I mean, it could be wreck possibly command uh, let's go with command since I, I don't know how to wreck i just don't know i don't know how to do it I think I'm going down the intimidation route. Yeah. 
I think the intimidation will have slightly less effect because these are highly trained soldiers, but I think that just takes it down to a risky standard rather than anything else. I think it was risky great otherwise because you're a big bellow machine. <laughs> you didn't want to push yourself uh, or anything? No. No, no, it's just a one. Straight in there. Okay, risky <laughs> standard is um, things go badly. You suffer harm, complication occurs, you end up in a desperate position, you lose this opportunity. What, what does this honking look like? Is it just... What is this movement like? What does this thing look like as it like reaches the edge of the steps and hits the sand of the arena? God, I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's a bit stompy. Mm. Like, got like a only it's only got like a couple of legs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, stomps forward and like you see all the bellows fill up to do like a big, intimidating honk, and then there's no honk. It's just like air. Uh, it's just like you squeeze all the bellows and it's just like... <sighs> yeah. Maybe we see like a couple of like the soldiers come from a side that you weren't aware of and like they pierce it just before you can honk. Oh no, my honk bags. So it just sort of like deflates, uh, like the left half of you deflates. Oh. Um, but you're still moving. You're, you're, like the strand beast, the bit that can take the wind and move from it, it I think it's still fine and like your legs are still fine. You're still this big bruising machine all right well yeah we're spinning around we're we're carly minogan here we're gonna just beat everyone up around us <laughs> we're just gonna like start flailing some legs out you know you won't let me do a honk so now you get to be punched i guess okay i'm just gonna write the harm deflated on your sheet <laughs> i don't know what level it means but you know um cool hmm. um what would you like to use for that Skirmish? That sounds good to me. I think skirmish or wreck makes a lot of sense. I think because you've got this deflated harm, like, let's move this. It's almost like we're moving this up to, like, desperate, I think. Like, you're surrounded. There are a lot of soldiers around you. So let's let's call this uh, desperate great. Do you want to push yourself or take any devil's bargains or similar? little devil's bargain might be nice. Yeah, uh, I think it is. You can have an extra dice, but it means, like, removing your consciousness from everything else. Like, if this is the shot that you want to take, you can put all of your focus into this machine. Oh, I feel sorry for the poor lad who's riding that seahorse. Huh? <laughs> Just um, suddenly stop. Rest in peace. Mm, no, I won't do that. Okay. I won't do that. I'll push myself, though, I think. Cool. I'll do that instead. take you to stress. That's a six. Yeah. Um, so I think these soldiers come in with their spears and are you just like bashing them aside? Yeah, just like, yeah, like spinning the machine around and like, yeah, knocking them to the ground and, you know, enough that they're winded or don't want to get back up sort of thing and then charging on. I imagine there's a degree to which like they're stabbing at you and like that first like spear stab was very effective because it stopped a thing but beyond that it doesn't really matter as they like pierce your hide it doesn't really cause you any particular damage as you rush on I mean you're just kind of like running on these like command tents are in front of you these spears sort of like trailing out from your body um and I think ahead of you, you can see the command staff of the Nimshifts. You can see the table that kind of stood around. You can see Valor Nimshif pacing up and down, trying to give orders to the generals around her. And I think 
You see her turn around as you rush towards her, knocking people and tents and supplies aside. And then I think it's in that moment, as you're rushing towards them, that the Winter's Lodge does its thing. And it's suddenly as if there is this stretch of branch and roots of labyrinth and all the things from the cut just reaching out. I think if we looked at it from afar, it's almost as if like this domed bubble forms over Winter's Lodge and Tails End. And I think we see for a moment, it's, it's as if the world is just like held in place. It's as if everything is floating but not. It's as if everything stops but doesn't. What is happening is the Winter's Lodge is spreading outwards. I think it's doing that to some degree both because it is being attacked and Oaken is being attacked. And it's also like it waking up and it extending its influence outwards. And the image I've got in my head is like this big canopy of roots spreading out over Tail's End. And at the same time, like the branches underneath, like the ghostly branches spreading out like underneath it from Tails End into Hinter's Ward. The visual I've got to some degree are are these like labyrinthine roots spreading everywhere as well, bright as the dawn as they spread. I almost imagine these roots being like tunnels in the cut. They're these big roots you can you can see and you can exist outside of, but you might be able to like step inside them. We just get like this final image of the Colosseum changing and like parts of it being ripped apart and reformed and like these roots growing in. And like Valen Imshif and this horrible fish fighting each other in the midst of all of that. 